2: 52, and the city was Eau Claire, Wisconsin, home of the Eau Claire Bears of the Northern League, which back then was a Class C league in minor league baseball. About two months into that 1952 season, the Bears received a jolt to their team's roster when the parent club, the Boston Braves, signed an infielder off of the Indianapolis roster in the Negro League by the name of Hank Aaron. That year was just the start of one of the greatest careers the game has ever seen as Aaron went on to hit 755 home runs and do it all with a phenomenal measure of consistency and grace. Aaron passed away last week at the age of 86 but his accomplishments both on and off the field will long be remembered fondly and his path to the major league started With those 1952 Eau Claire Bears where one of his teammates was longtime Cleveland Indian special advisor Johnny Goral. Goral says what Aaron was able to do in his early days defied description.
3: Hank hit cross-handed which was all against against the, the mechanics of a good hitting swing and And he was hitting cross-handed when he hit them softballs, too. And and nobody bothered Hank when he got to Eau Claire his first year. And he hit cross-handed that whole season. Well, he only hit 330, which probably led the league. I don't know. I'd have to look that up. But, But I'll tell you what, that was a pretty hard 330, and he didn't strike out much either. He put the ball to play an awful lot.
2: I'm Jim Rosenhouse, and this is Tribe Talk, presented by Progressive. I hope you can stay with us as we will hear so much more from Johnny Goral on what it was like both on and off the field to play with the great Hank Aaron, and some of his fond memories of Hammer and Hank as Aaron's career developed not only to a Hall of Fame level, but into one of baseball's all-time greats. Again, that's in the second half of our show, and when we return after a short break, we'll catch up with Indian starting pitcher Tristan McKenzie. So a lot to get to on this week's show. But first, some late week news on the transaction front. As a widely speculated free agent signing became official Friday afternoon, the Indians announcing that second baseman Cesar Hernandez will return to the Tribe on a one-year contract with a team auction for 2022 as well. Now last year, Hernandez in his first season with the Indians really was a a tremendous addition to the ball club playing second base and really it was his best career season to date at the age of 30. He led the American League in doubles with 20, won his first career Rawlings Gold Glove Award and really solidified the top of that Indians lineup as he was hitting in that leadoff spot for a good portion of the shortened campaign. He ended up leading the team in hits, doubles, led American League second baseman in hits, runs, and doubles, and finished third in war for second baseman. Finished third in all of Major League Baseball in doubles and became just the fourth Indians hitter to lead the league in two base hits since 1996. Joining these names, Grady Sizemore back in 06, Michael Brantley in 2015, and Jose Ramirez in 2017 and defensively he finished second among american league second basemen in defensive runs saved and total chances in capturing that first career goal glove and the first by an indian second baseman since robbie alomar did it back in 2001 so great to have Cesar Hernandez back in the fold that'll shore things up on the infield for the tribe to be sure as he'll blend in there with uh, the two new acquisitions from the Mets Ahmed Rosario and Andres Jimenez so that's the official signing on the unofficial side of things and again nothing concrete has come from the Cleveland Indians front office as yet but it appears imminent based on multiple reports both here in Cleveland and uh, also in the Twin Cities and nationally that Eddie Rosario, their longtime outfielder for the Twins, six seasons in the big leagues, including a 32-home run, 109-RBI 2019 campaign, he appears to be headed to Cleveland. Again, unofficial, but multiple reports saying that as of, uh, this recording on Saturday morning. So uh, we'll see if indeed that does happen. If it doesn't, it appears that, that it may be the case, then uh, a nice addition to the Indians outfield there. So a lot going on, but when we come back, we will hear from young right-hander Tristan McKenzie. That's next as Tribe Talk presented by Progressive continues on the Cleveland Clinic Indians radio network. And
0: now, a game of Commercial Chicken, brought to you by Progressive, where we see how long flow can go without talking about insurance. Ready? Go. Okay, so, um, did you see that game the other day? (laughs) The refs, right? I mean, come on. They were totally out to get us. (laughs) That always happens to our our team. Drivers who switch to Progressive can save big. Okay, you win. We can't help but save customers money. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates.
2: Welcome back to Tribe Talk. and House back with you as we join you for our off-season shows. Hot stove shows continuing, hopefully not for too much longer. Still waiting for some official word and clarity on the start of spring training. But Major League Baseball saying, hey, be ready to go as planned on February the 17th. Pitchers and catchers reporting. And then the start of the regular season on April the 1st with the idea that everyone plays that full 162 game schedule and hoping to be a part of that for the indians young right-hander tristan mckenzie he will head into next season at the age of 23 burst on the scene this season coming over from the uh, extended camp over in lake county to give the indians rotation a boost down the stretch and he ended up making six starts two relief appearances and finished 2-1 2-1 and one with an earned run average of 3.24. The strikeouts were up. The walks were down. He had a memorable debut in late August against the Tigers, working six strong innings, striking out 10, and allowing just one run to pick up that first Major League win in his debut. And he actually pitched pretty well in relief as well in the postseason, that brief postseason series against New York. McKenzie recently met with the Cleveland media, and he says this offseason, as opposed to, to the last couple where he was trying to build up and rebound from injury issues has been a little bit different from the past couple in a very positive way.
4: Uh, I wouldn't say it, it's changed majorly. It's more just kind of the little things and, and knowing what what that next level takes and just making sure making sure that I'm honing in on, on making sure that I can get to that next level and stay there. I'd say the biggest thing that's differentiated this offseason from a lot of my past offseasons is is the focus that I've had and just my, me keying into, to what I know works. Tristan, I think everybody's workload is going to feel a little weird just because last season was so short, didn't have a normal ramp up. So what about with you though? Because you missed almost two years and, um, you know, you've had the shortened season. Has there been any discussion about what a realistic workload might be for the season? uh we haven't had that conversation i mean i've been preparing i feel healthy and that was kind of the goal last year to kind of test the waters and make sure that i could go out there and perform uh and i feel healthy right now i'm just excited to go out there and do it hopefully for 30 starts or 162 games
1: you worked on any other pitches or is there anything else that you i mean you know how these guys in this rotation are not saying that you have to but it seems like these guys get up to the big leagues have a little success and then they find something they want to add have you got to that point yet
4: No, uh, I mean, I feel that I'm still kind of figuring some stuff out, especially with just the four-pitch mix that I have right now and just trying to hone in and kind of tighten those up and hopefully I can make those more consistent.
1: We had the passing of um, Hank Aaron earlier today, Um, home run champ. Well, (laughs) you know what I'm saying with that. but just um, And I know you're a young guy, but just any thoughts to that? I know we've lost a ton of Hall of Famers in the last six, seven months.
4: Yeah, I mean, last year was rough, especially with losing names like Tom Seaver. Uh And then today, finding out that that hank aaron passed is is very sad, just seeing seeing guys that are such pillars in the culture of baseball uh you say that name to to guys that even don't really follow baseball. You say home run champ that those are names that are synonymous with that, and it's sad to to see guys like that go, especially as a young black parent seeing a pillar like that for a black community go
1: Tristan, I think it was a few weeks ago that the Indians put out there about you joining some mentorship that you wanted to make sure that you would be a part of here. Um, how did you get a part of that? And, and what all does that in, entail?
4: Uh, I think Megan is in here, but Megan kind of reached out to me with the opportunity to, to talk to, there's a all boys community, uh, all boys school in, uh, Cleveland Valley view, Valley view leadership. Uh, and she was like, we just wanted to offer you the opportunity to kind of talk to some of these kids and show them, just be a good example for them and kind of just help stir them the right way. Uh, there's a lot of bright kids at that, at that school. And I just wanted to kind of be a part of just their decision-making process and hopefully they can be some leaders. Have you started that yet? Yes. So I've, I met with them once, uh, through zoom, uh, I'll meet with them again in a couple of weeks, uh, but just kind of talking them through their decision-making process in terms of like what they like, what they don't like, and trying to find a, a good way for them to make a decision as to a good high school they can go to and, uh, just other outside of that, nothing.
1: Tristan, what have your thoughts been about the Players Alliance and just some of the things that they've been able to do this offseason and, and helping out and going around to different cities um,
4: this year? Uh I'm kinda sad that I didn't get to partake in any of them so, so far. Uh, but it's been it's been a great thing to watch, just from the outside, even. Uh, seeing guys uh just give back. Uh give back to inner city kids that, that don't necessarily have the the resources and seeing MLB partner up with them and seeing those guys team up and Provide a great example for, for the younger generation,
0: Tristan. You um, you've seen uh, this team, you know, just in less than a year trade Carrasco, trade Clevenger, and before that, you know, Bauer and Kluber. What do you think that says about the organization and the, um, I guess, the trust they have in in guys like you and and the the, the organization's ability to develop pitching.
4: Uh, I feel like, one, they're very confident in the guys that they have in their organization. The pieces that they develop from rookie ball all the way up to the big leagues, I think they're very confident in those guys. And I think you have proven examples over and over again. You see Savali, you see Plesak, you see Bieber at the big league level, and you come in as a, as a rookie and you're you kind of don't know what to expect from those guys, but you get consistency out of those guys. And I think that allows them to make the moves that they have and just kind of be confident in those decisions.
2: Those pitchers you rattled off, do you, do you stay in touch with them much in, in the offseason or is that something you wait till you get to spring training?
4: Uh, I definitely wish Plesac a happy birthday yesterday. Uh, I talked to him pretty frequently. I talked to Bieber pretty frequently and I was actually on the phone with Savali today. Uh, I mean, I think it's good to have a relationship with those guys. And then from my perspective, it's always good to try and nitpick and pick their brains about anything I can. Did you ever have a mentor in, in, in your life that inspired you to be involved in this mentoring program for true to you? Uh I wouldn't say I had a specific mentor. I feel like I have a really good circle around me in terms of just my family and just being around baseball, being able to look up to older guys that are in baseball and it kind of kept me straight. And I feel like all the, the positive influences that I had around me, I would just want to be one around a, a younger kid and hopefully I can push them in the right direction.
1: Tristan, what was it like being around your younger brother who's at Vanderbilt? Now that you made it to the big leagues, what was what was it like? Have you guys had any time to be able to be together and kind of discuss that?
4: Yeah, I mean, he came home for Thanksgiving break, and he was home for about a month or so uh, in between Thanksgiving or a month and a half between Thanksgiving and, and New Year's. And I, I wouldn't say we had a ton of conversations about the big leagues, but I think it was literally just a lot of little kid conversations that we had growing up, just like, oh, when I get there, I want to do this. When I get there, I want to do this. And it was like, so what was it like? And I was like, everything that we've ever talked about, it's exactly that. And I think that kind of gave him fuel. And I mean, it's good to, to kind of, just like how I said, provide a good example. I wanted to be kind of like that role model for my younger brother.
0: Tristan, you, you've seen, uh, I mean, this team traded Lindo, traded Carrasco. The payroll's been slashed, maybe close to $100 million since uh 2018 I was wondering as a a player coming up in this organization are you worried about this team's ability to compete in in 2021 and and beyond in in the you know in the central
4: no uh I mean definitely like I said I feel like the team makes those moves with confidence in the guys that we have here and I feel like we picked up some really good pieces outside of that and I'm very confident in the staff that we have I'm very confident in the guys that we have that we can go out there and win regardless of who's on our team just because of the culture we have here.
0: Have you changed your routine at all this, this winter training wise? And are, are you in Florida or are you in Arizona or where are you right
4: now? So, I mean, this off season for me is definitely different from last off season being that I'm actually home last year I was in Arizona for all of it. But I mean, I'd say from a consistency standpoint, everything state remained the same. Uh, I've been in the gym four or five times a week uh, doing my running, doing my throwing and just, making sure I stay on top of a lot of stuff, being that I know that 2021 is going to be a different season than what I've been used to, uh, and I'm just excited for it.
2: Right. Is it at all similar? Because you went home during the break from spring training to summer camp, right? It, is it similar to that, just 60 days or 60 games after that?
4: Very very much so, honestly. Uh, I mean, just now there was a lot of debates as, in terms of when spring training going to start, when is the season going to start, is it going to get pushed back? So a lot of that uncertainty in the air reminded me a lot of pre 2020 seasons, especially when COVID was very large, but I'd say the the mindset remains the same as before then it's, you have to stay ready. So you don't have to get ready.
0: Did you go on vacation anywhere or did you take it easy for a
4: while? After, just after the season, being able to stay home and eat mom's cooking all off season was my vacation. <laughs> Is your buddy Nolan Jones mentioned anything about his off season and how the outfield's going and how he hopes to make his debut at some point here soon. I try to stay away from the, the whole debut topic. Cause I feel like guys get wrapped up on it. Uh, I feel like he's just, he's working hard and he's just excited for his opportunity. A wide ranging
2: interview with Tristan McKenzie and uh, certainly touching on a lot of subjects and the Indians hoping that he can be a mainstay in that rotation. We certainly saw at times his stuff was electric a year ago, and uh, they're hoping that he can shoulder some innings this year. it be interesting to see how he fares in that regard. When we come back, we'll hear from Johnny Goral, a long, long-time member of the Cleveland Indians organization, heading into his 71st year in professional baseball. And one of those early years, he was a teammate of the great Hank Aaron. Some good stories coming your way next as Tribe Talk, presented by Progressive, continues on the Cleveland Clinic indians radio network
1: there's no tired in baseball
2: Welcome back to Tribe Talk presented by Progressive Jim Rosenhouse along with you this weekend. Great to have you with us. And as always, a lot of different ways to pick up our show. You can do it each week on the radio on several of our Indians Radio Network stations. Usually the show airs uh, late Saturday afternoon in that 5 to 6 o'clock range. You can also listen to it in podcast form wherever you download your favorite podcasts or check it out online at Indians.com. All the archived editions are there as well. Well, the Indians have a true treasure in their player development system, and he has been in the organization in varying capacities for a long, long time. We're talking about Johnny Goral, who this season, when he checks in on some of the Indians minor league affiliates, it will be his 71st consecutive season working in professional baseball, his 40th with the Indians, and 17th as an advisor for player development He uh, worked in the Twins development system back in the early 60s on through to the 1981 season. He was the manager of the Minnesota Twins back in 1980 and 1981. He played 16 years in various organizations, including six seasons at the major league level with the Cubs and the Twins. And uh, one of his early years in the minor leagues was 1952 with the eau claire wisconsin bears of the class c northern league and a couple of months into that season who shows up but none other than hank aaron who was signed earlier that spring by the boston braves the the parent club of the bears at that time and and uh, johnny says look he was fortunate obviously to play with hank aaron but He came up and made it to the major leagues at a time when names like Aaron, Willie Mays, Mickey Mantle, some of the great names ever in the history of the game were a part of it. And he says it was a pleasure to be around the game during that time.
3: I had the good fortune in my baseball career to break into the game, especially at the major league level, when all those guys were there, you know. And, and to be playing against them, but also to watch them play, it was a treat, man. i tell you what, they were so special in their game. You know. So
2: 1952, you're playing yeah. at, at Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Yeah. And the Braves sign, sign a kid uh, who had been with a Negro League team, Hank yeah. Aaron. And, and explain how that went, what you thought you were getting, and then what you saw that summer.
3: Well, we didn't we didn't know much about Hank. In fact, we didn't even know we were getting Hank. <laughs> but he showed up at our clubhouse, uh, it was around, around May sometime, was after they, he got out of school. And uh, he was playing f- at that time for the Mobile Bears, I guess they called themselves. And in the Negro League, and they were up in or the Indianapolis Clowns. It was one of the two, but he was up in uh, Indianapolis playing when a scout for the Braves saw him play uh, previously in a softball game. Apparently, uh, he hit the ball so hard on the line through the infield <laughs> the scout couldn't get him on the contract he couldn't sign get him to sign the contract quick enough he says can you imagine this guy hitting a baseball you know well the the other thing that he didn't know about and he finally found out about after he talked to the talked to hank was that hank hit cross-handed which was all against against the the mechanics of a good hitting swing and And he was hitting cross-handed when he hit them softballs, too. And nobody bothered Hank when he got to Eau Claire his first year. And he hit cross-handed that whole season. Well, he only hit 330, which probably led the league. I don't know. I'd have to look that up. But but I'll tell you what, that was a pretty hard 330, and he didn't strike out much either. He put the ball to play an awful lot. Oh.
2: so Johnny, you you watching this you're watching this where he's hitting cross-handed did you, did you ever think hey maybe I ought to try that
3: <laughs> no, no I'm gonna tell you what Rosie that would be so difficult for somebody that's never ever done it you'd probably break a wrist or something but you know he was known in his hitting for how the strength that he had in his wrists and forearm area and it, to to have him start his career out like that You know, it's pretty remarkable because the next year, even after hitting 330, they made him change over to a conventional grip to take advantage of his power, which never showed up with the cross-handed grip. But when he changed over to the conventional grip, man, that's when it took off. And two years later, he was playing in the big leagues. (laughs) Oh, so when you, to say.
2: when you were teammates with him, 1952, yeah. um, it was more than just showing up for him at the ballpark. Explain how difficult it was as an African American in Wisconsin yeah. in 1952 yeah. to play baseball.
3: Yeah, yeah, it was hard. It was hard. We had three black players on our team. John Covington, Wes Covington was uh, was also a teammate of ours and a young catcher by the name of Julie Bowers who uh, and all the white players that went up there to Eau Claire, Wisconsin that summer all stayed with host families who provided transportation to the ballpark, a bed to sleep in, three square meals a day and charged very little money. But unfortunately, there was... No no white families that, that took on our black players and provided the same housing and meals and transportation like we got, you know, unfortunately. And it ended up that uh, they had to put Hank and Wes Covington and Julie Bowers into a YMCA in downtown Eau Claire, and they ate. All their meals at restaurants, and and you know, had to find a way to get to the ballpark every day, which was no, it was was it was a pretty good hike if they were walking, but they were there every day, just like they were supposed to be to, to play baseball, and they were pretty dang good, all three of them, all four of them, really.
2: We're visiting with Johnny mm-hmm. Goral, longtime Indian special assistant, and. We're taking a look back at some memories of the now late Hank Aaron, really an icon in our game of baseball. Johnny was a teammate of Hammer and Hank back in 1952, before he was Hammer and Hank. But, Johnny, you were saying that by the late 50s, uh, you had started to to make some progress and reach the major leagues and, and were an opponent of Hank Aaron who was starting to get that Hall of Fame career going, and what was it like yeah. seeing him do damage in the major leagues? Really, with uh, just great consistency year after year. Well,
3: I tell you what, Rosie, it was a it was a proud moment for me because he was a, a teammate of mine, and I and it, it to know Hank and what a what a fine man he was and what a gentleman he was. He was all those things even when he was 18 years old. He was he had a good upbringing from his family, and came out of the Deep South in Mobile, Alabama. And you know, he I mean I can't say enough. Of, he just he just was a beautiful person. He everything he did was good. When you hear people like Brian Snitka talk about him and the opportunities that he created for Brian to become a major league manager when he was with the Braves. You know, and still living and and did all the nice things for promotions and jobs and et cetera. You know, and then on top of that, you know, always be there for him when he needed help or always be there when he got all these beautiful awards and accolades. You know, it takes a special person to be, be like that. And that's what Hank was. He was a very special. When you listen to guys like, like um, Jonesy, the third baseman for the for the Braves, Chipper Jones, Chipper Jones, and talking about Hank, God, I mean, it's just like you know him talking about his own dad. You know, he was so, so comp. Complimentary to to Hank and all the things that he did for him and making him a better player and uh, but everybody you talk to Freeman you you hear listen to Freeman you listen to you know, all the old time Braves players that were playing with him at the time when he broke the record you know it, it was uh, everybody was just so proud of the fact that they were part of his life at that time and got a chance to see him do that uh, and I did it from a, from watching it on a on, a, on a TV with a magnifying glass on the front of it.
2: I was going to say <laughs> so where the, were you the, so the night that he, he broke the record?
3: Well I was home you know uh, actually it was April 8th when he broke the record or tied it but but I was home. We hadn't. I hadn't left yet to go to spring training. But uh, uh, anyway, but it was. Uh, he was. Uh, he did some fantastic things. He was a pretty good outfielder. He was a second baseman when we when we when we when we signed him, and we got him off a second base before he killed all the base runners coming in trying to take him out on a, on a double play. <laughs> Because he threw from down under, and if you didn't get flying too early, you were going to be wearing that ball in the middle of your head. So, And I seen him do that to a player, not intentionally, but that's what he did, and the player never slid quick enough. So he ended up losing the whole season.
2: You mentioned earlier about uh, the that early season that, that he had when you were on the same team back in 1952, and, and he hit for – for big average, but not necessarily the power. Uh, no, remarkable, no. by the end of his career, he walked yeah. more than he struck out, and here was a power hitter, and, and it just seems yeah. so uncommon in today's yeah. game.
3: Yeah. You know what, Rosie? He, 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 of all the great hitters in the game, and you think back about all the great hitters that you've seen over the years, Hank Aaron did not pull the ball very much, hit a lot of balls to center and right field and it wasn't until he you know he would he always hit off the breaking ball too he never looked the fastballs like all of us humpty dumpties did they were just trying to get by in the big leagues but he he hit off the curveball and he was so his wrists were so good and his swing was so quick that he could adjust to the fastball when it was thrown but he hit a lot of balls that were breaking, let's put it that way. Uh,
2: and when you look back, uh, you had mentioned, obviously, the, you know, the struggles of, of being a black player in the 50s. And no matter where it would be, uh, that was in right. the northern states up in Wisconsin. Right. Um, yeah. And then during the, the drive to surpass Babe Ruth, the hate mail that he got. But it it just yeah. sounds like he, he never held that against anybody or, or bore a grudge, no. at least externally.
3: No, nope. he always made a, made, he, he mentioned this to, I think it might've been Al Michaels or somebody. I can't remember who the broadcast, where he says, as many hate mails that I got, it, for everyone that you read, you also got to read the other ones that are complimentary to me. And, and that was the only way he would okay them to read those, those other those other mail, you know, the, the letters that he read, received that were not good that were a mail. So if they read another letter that was complimentary and, and uh, spoke well of of what he was doing, then it was okay for him to it was okay by him to read those letters on the mail, so
2: on the on the radio. Yeah. Well, John, I know, I know you've had a a lifetime in the game, and and to yeah. be able to to play with Hank Aaron and some of the other greats. Uh, it must be a must have been a thrill of a lifetime. When you look back on it to, to see what he had yeah. done and, and to to be in the game during that time must have been a thrill.
3: It was absolutely that, all of it, you know. Rosie, I mean, I've seen them all just about. I mean, there ain't too many that I've missed, and I'm still watching them to this day. Kids like Mike Trout mm-hmm. and uh, Ber- Bel- Bellinger and this you can go on since Lindor, and, you know, they you they are all going to be Hall of Famers, you know, know, when the time comes. And that's, you know, see, they just, just, they just, they just, just breed, they just show that every time you see them playing. So, you know? but they all have a special, they have a special place in this game, all, all of them.
2: We probably could have gone another half hour with different stories with Johnny, but uh, just a lot of fun to visit with him, and hear some of the great stories and memories of Hammer and Hank Aaron, one of baseball's all-time greats. Stay tuned. We'll have some final thoughts after this time out on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network.
0: And now a game of Commercial Chicken brought to you by Progressive, where we see how long Flo can go without talking about insurance. Ready? Go. So the the weather is just all over the place lately, right? One day it's hot, and the next day it's uh, it's windy for a while. It's like, make up your mind already. Drivers who switch to Progressive can save big! Okay, you win. We can't help but save customers money. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates.
2: Welcome back to Tribe Talk presented by Progressive. Our final segment, Jim Rosenhouse along with you as we continue our hot stove shows. Hopefully not too many more of these left so that we can make way for our spring trainings editions of of Tribe Talk as uh, spring training. According to Major League Baseball, still saying, hey, teams, be ready, pitchers and catchers, to report on February 17th. And our first game scheduled for February the 27th. But as we know from a year ago, Uh, flexibility the key with some COVID uh, numbers out of uh, the Phoenix, Arizona area and the Cactus League area for spring training. Uh, Not real favorable right now. So we'll see what happens, but uh, at least for right now, everything on as scheduled, and then we'll hope it stays that way. Some good news, too, on on the potential for fans in the ballpark next season, and uh, we say that from the fact of uh, health and safety, if and when that happens next season and again nothing set in stone nothing concrete about how many and and will it happen for sure but when it does the indians are proud to announce that they've partnered with cleveland clinic for the health system to provide health and safety guidance to the indians in anticipation of fans being allowed to return to the ballpark for the 2021 season and uh, with the development of the health and safety partnership Cleveland Clinic's team of pandemic response experts and physicians they are going to work with the tribe to provide the most up-to-date research and guidelines on how to return fans back to the ballpark safely. So hopefully that's a, a sooner than later deal, but uh, we'll keep an eye on that for you as we get closer to the regular season. That's going to do it for this week's show. As always, thanks to Brian Matze for all of his help. Thank you to Andrew Luffglass the radio voice for the Lake County Captains. He was the one who uh, gave me the tip that Johnny Goral had been a teammate of Hank Aaron's back in 1952 in the minor leagues, and that led to our fun conversation with Johnny today. So thanks to Andrew for that. And also thanks to Anthony Alford for being back at our network studios as well during Tribe Talk, presented by Progressive. Until next week, this is Jim Rosenhouse reminding you that you've been listening to Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network has been brought to you by Progressive, helping Indians fans save hundreds on car insurance.